That kid is back on the escalator again. Leave it alone. What? Comics. What are you? I'm Batman. TV and movies. Wrestling. And Music. We are just getting started. Finally, a podcast about things you actually care about, hosted by a couple of guys who actually care about those things too. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Maybe a little too much. Yes. That's awesome. The talented one, Chris Machete. That no-talent ass clown became famous. And Brenton, you know, that guy from your other favorite podcast. I liked it. I was good at it. So grab onto the handrail and don't let go. There's a little boy on the escalator. This is the Kids on the Escalator podcast. Woo! Here's CM and BD. We are back. The Kids on the Escalator podcast, the usual group of shenanigans ahead of you. Here we are. We got Mike Pongratz uh, below us. Brent, where are you there, Mike? There you are. Chris Machete over there. Um, Brenton from the other thing. How you doing, guys? Welcome. Hello. Hello. Hey. This We're is, keeping this like... train rolling. It is a brand new week. Mike, what do you got? I, I just I feel like I feel like you know the uh, the Larry from Three's Company because you know, <laughs> I, just, I just keep hoarding in on your show every every week when with the Mandalorian stuff. It's cool. I dig this, man. This is this is a lot of fun. I've I've, I've really enjoyed uh, sort of getting into the groove with with you guys, and it was very cool this week. I want to say, Brent, uh, when you threw out the uh, the the Twitter and the Instagram and. Uh, a couple of other members of the the Dean Blundell family chimed in, and one that I completely was surprised by, which was uh, yeah. JJ, and uh, that was so cool because I I didn't realize that they had joined the uh, the Blundell. Yeah, and family. he wants to come on. He's he wants to come on this show with us and and chat because uh, you know the other thing is their show, and Dean's got his show, and everyone's got their own kind of thing. But yeah. uh, he's like, hey, you know. We, Love to come he on is, and talk here. So, he is yeah. he is aces in my book. And just a quick thing, uh, I actually owe my voice career to JJ. Wow! Because we we worked together at a radio station in Kitchener uh, many years ago. Um, he was the morning guy, and I was I was the uh, creative director slash assistant program director. And he would come in after his show to record his morning show promos, and he would record his commercials and. We did that. And JJ was actually the guy who said, hey, have you ever thought of doing like commercials and, you know, like being a voice guy? And I had no clue at that point, like no idea. And he's he's like, yeah, I got this agent in Toronto and yeah, they send me auditions and whatever. And he said, do you want me to I can get a name? I can, you know, I can give you a referral. I'm like, yeah, sure. So he actually hooked me up with my my agent and fast forward all these years later, it was because of that. So I have, uh, I will always hold uh, Jay in a, a very uh, high esteem and he's such a good dude. So yeah, having him on the show, he is, he is tops. And I'm, I'm so excited that, that they're bringing their, their podcast to, uh, to the it's network. It's doing, so. it's doing really well. And I like yeah. how you said fast forward to now, because fast forward now you finally made it. You're on our podcast. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's it, right? You finally so, made it. And I've been hearing your voice so much. Your- I've been hearing your voice so much on TV lately, even more than I knew before that I almost want to start a segment every week going, what are you peddling this week, Mike? What's going <laughs> what on? Killing this week. What, what's going uh, on this week? Where I did. We- I did. 
I spoke with, um, I, I had to do a, a sort of like a guest speaker thing for Niagara College for the radio broadcast program. This morning, uh, we did a, a session. An, an old colleague of mine who's a professor there had me in to talk about my career and, and all that stuff. And we, he's like, do you want to play some samples? And, and I'm like, well, uh, pulled up the Cineplex thing. And then I pulled up my uh, Gotta Go Flamingo commercial which is a a toy that's one of the hottest toys this christmas apparently it's a flamingo that poops <laughs> then you scoop out the poop you feed it back to the flamingo and it poops again wow yes it's got eight and a half million hits on the on their youtube page for this commercial so my my legacy now is tommy texter and the gotta go flamingo <laughs> yeah. maybe we should give I one away want on one of those. Yeah, we should give oh, one away man. Oh my I'd God. like to have one of them, actually. I, I actually, wanted I, a flamingo I, I to bought shit one. Your, yeah, you got I one. literally bought one just because <laughs> it was one of those toys. I'm like, nobody will believe me. And yeah, it's apparently a hot seller for Christmas because... Man, because it's unique. It's unique. And that it sings unique, and it, it's got a tune oh. and it records your voice. And it eats its own poop. And it eats I'm its pretty own sure poop. you got that gig. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you got that gig because you appeared on this podcast. So That's welcome, totally Mike. It. And it's Thank totally you. it. Yeah, right, gentlemen, we are moving that's... into episode three, season two of The Mandalorian called The oh, Heiress. And everyone uh, is feeling a little better this week than they were last week. Wow. Um, so um, lots. To, First of all, can we hear of... it from my, my, my uh, predictions of last week of how yeah. like. OK, let's ring. I'm going to ring. Can we ring some bells? Is there a bell? Did anybody ring a bell? I need to find a bell here. Where you keep keep talking, I'll find a. You know what it should bell. be? It, it should be like a, a guitar chord, like a like the old Bob and Ert, not Bob and Doug, Bill and Ted. Yeah. Uh, okay, remember that one? one of those. Let me do. Let me do. That'd be cool. I'm gonna put one oh, into oh. the thing. Look, okay. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna put one into the thing right now. Okay, we're back. Okay, there, Chris. Yes. My predictions, yeah, boom, nailed them. Nailed them. Uh, I was watching uh, the program with my wife, and I was just like so stoked on everything in there. And also, I was I was a little proud of my predictions; they're pretty rad. Ah, uh, wow! So, my gosh, I I couldn't believe Sasha Banks was not uh, Sabine, though. I didn't. I, that was kind of odd because she oh. looks like her, and uh, man, she's she's got the looks for her, you know a very very beautiful human being. I couldn't take my eyes off her uh, when she was in the Mandalorian outfit; just amazing. And then the other gentleman who was a newcomer as well. So they, they created two new uh, character names for these two Mandalorians, these two uh, new Mandalorians, which I will get into detail more later. What did you guys think of the episode? Uh, I thought it was, I thought it was fantastic. And, and like we talked about last week, uh, it was a little disappointing after episode one, how they had this big build and you expected something big in episode two. And then two was sort of like, okay, we're back to sort of a standalone. Mm. You knew that this was going to be big uh, with the uh, introduction of Bo-Katan, which I am now yeah. only, uh, Chris and I were talking about this before the, the podcast started. I'm only just now getting into Clone Wars and Rebels. Like I'm starting from the beginning because as much of a Star Wars nerd as I am, the, the whole um, animated stuff didn't really, wasn't really on my radar. So there's a whole chunk that I'm I'm missing but now, after seeing some of the images of Bo-Katan in... Now, she was in Rebels, right? Is that... Mm -hmm. Okay. And what they did with Katie Sackhoff, who was the voice of Bo-Katan in the animated mm -hmm. series, which is, again, Fabs and Filoni, you're you're doing wow. the, the hardcore fans a huge service by uh, by doing this. And now, Katie Sackhoff, she was in Battlestar Galactica, right? Yep, she was, yes. And, and she was also... She small was Star Fox. 
a small scene. Yeah, a small scene in uh, The Big Bang Theory and the bathtub scene with Howard Wolowitz. I just so I I loved it. I thought the it was it was very cool. How again you're introducing this major character. Uh, the, a lot of the buzz was around Mercedes Vernado. I think that's her real name, Sasha Banks, because mm-hmm. uh, I think that's what she was credited in in the actual show. All um, right. Uh, I. I thought it was incredible. And again, uh, you talk about the dipping back into the, you know, hardcore Star Wars fans. We get this, we get scenes of the, all the Mon Calamari. We got yeah. all these Admiral Akbars and the Quarrens from, from Return of the Jedi, yes. which I, I thought it was a, a really cool, again, you're seeing some of these characters that we grew up on in sort of their home worlds or like in scenes outside of like a, a rebel ship going it's a trap so now it's mm-hmm. oh there's there's something more behind it so i thought it was it was excellent again uh the way that um you you saw how mando with his way and now all of a sudden these mandalores that seem to you know the helmet comes off <gasps> the new mandalorians yes yeah and so there's all this sort of backstory now that i i think it's a, a very cool sort of setup and bringing in the dark saber and oh. Titus Welliver, I'm like, yeah. it's the black smoke from Lost. Like, right, you know? right. Uh, and I think Titus Welliver, he's an amazing actor too. And it was so oh, cool man. to see them, uh, to see him in that. And you know, you've got Moff Gideon, and like all mm-hmm. these things are happening. And they leave again, much like Episode One, the big microphone drop. Even though we kind of knew it was coming, mm-hmm. we now know who the Jedi is that Mando's going to go find, wow. and that's Ahsoka. So, um, yeah, uh, all Man. around a great episode. The the uh, the show went by super super quick, and mm-hmm. it made me want even more of Bo Katan. And I know it's coming, but yeah. when is it coming? They're going to have to give her a spinoff for all the information coming up. There's just so much information coming up, oh, and. Yeah. and- like I, I, I was kind of doing the whole, you know, uh, predicting what was going to come up. And I, there's so many things that that could lead to that. That one episode has so many avenues, man. Um, mind blown. Mind blown. Do we have, have we seen how many episodes there's going to be this season? Have they said? Well, I'm not sure. That's a good question. Yeah, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I want to say it's 10. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's good. I, I thought, yeah. They seem to be shorter this season. Maybe they're gearing up for the long, like longer form at the end as it goes. Cause I'm sure there's lots to cover, but it's not a cheap show to make either. So. No. no. And this, this one was directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah. Uh, which uh, daughter. you, you kind of, I mean, she, which episode did she direct in season one? I have to look. Oh, that, that was, was that the one with all the bounty hunters? I, I was, I want to say that's what it was. Yeah. And again, I love how they're um, the way they're splitting up the directing uh, chair for yeah. this season again and yet even with these different directors they're still maintaining this sameness to to the series well Unlike i wanted to it, com- i wanted to comment on that from the standpoint of the look too especially when they were in the ship right with titus oh and yeah it's like and and it felt like the original star wars where they're running down the hall and they're gonna i was just waiting for them to jump into the garbage right and <laughs> what well, and they used the uh they the, did a throwback to, did the, you catch the that one the horn the the yeah. whoop, whoop, whoop. Yeah. From, was, from the original Star Wars. It was Wars. good. And I, I like that, how they keep throwing uh, us into that world. Um, yeah. Proper <laughs> that, as well. Yeah, that retro kind of, uh, we're on the ship, and I'm like, this feels great. Like, it just feels like you're totally 
It just felt Every, great to revisit. Everything it. about it feels like he just walked off a, a George Lucas uh, meeting. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Filoni is, he's, he's George Lucas Jr. He's like, the way the new films have gone in the new direction with the new characters is one thing. That's a whole other podcast. Um, but the way <laughs> Filoni's taking what he's doing with the Clone War cartoon, uh, Rebels cartoon, and The Mandalorian is, in my mind more of more of the George Lucas vibe. I think I mentioned that in a, in a yeah. critique I did of the first uh, season is that George Lucas is just soaked in this and good things with George Lucas. No, uh, you know, no romantic banter is, is needed. In and any no, case. you know, reimagining of scenes that, you know, we loved the first time around. I, mm. I loved, I loved some of the, uh, the, the little callbacks uh, when, when Mando lands on, on the planet and he, you know, again, we talked about the comedy last week, how yeah. it's, there's comedy, but it's not hokey sort of forced comedy. The ship, you're going to make him. And then they, they go into the sea and yeah. then the crane that pulls them out. It's the legs of what looks like an old uh, Adat. Right. Right. I thought was kind of cool. Cause after the war, what are you going to do with all this leftover yeah. empire stuff? Well, let's repurpose it. Let's make it a crane. You know, it's got the legs. So uh, again, just it's the little nuggets again, the the alarm sound, uh, seeing the stormtroopers, that kind of thing. It's like, ah, I'm, I'm feeling yeah. this. Yep. I'm feeling it. And yep. uh, now you've got Mando who finds, you know, the other man, uh, Mandalorians and mm -hmm. they have a different, you know, they come from a different sect i guess yeah which is yeah. interesting so we've got the um the the night now it's the night owls is what bo -Katan is part of right because again i'm a little i'm a little shaky on this part of the mandalorian mm -hmm. history well, I was guess is uh so if i could if i can uh do my this is the way little deal right now and drop some mandalorian knowledge this is the way okay so, there's, so you've got you've got death watch which i mentioned last week all right you've got, which are from the clan of the uh, Vizsla, the clan of Vizsla. Now, the, uh, the Death Watch ones are pretty, pretty, uh, they're very aggressive, as you can tell by the name. Now, if you see from the very first season of uh, Mandalorian, when Mando was rescued on the uh, Mandalorian's armor who rescues Mando, he has the, the Vizsla code on there, which is the Death Watch code. Now, you will notice that Bo-Katan says, ah, he's from the Children of the Watch. That's the Death Watch, okay? So he was rescued by the Death Watch people, Death Watch folk. And then they became the true Mandalorians, okay? So they are trying to keep up the way of Death Watch, of, you know, fight, you know, keep to our own. Uh, the whole helmet thing's new. That's a whole other other deal there. So, and then we run into uh, Bo-Katan. I keep wanting to say Sabine, but no, Bo-Katan. And she is the new Mandalorian. So we have Death Watch. We have the true Mandalorians, which is Mando. He was rescued by Death Watch. And we have the new Mandalorians, which is the, the new group that we have here that are trying to get back the uh, Dark Saber because whoever has the Dark Saber rules the planet of Mandalore, okay? okay. Now, the other small nugget that uh, people might have noticed is that Bo-Katan tells Mando that you can't go back. Well, Mandalore, uh, you can't go to Mandalore. And she says, what do you mean? Or he says that to her. I apologize. He says to her, you can't go back to the planet Mandalore. And she's like, why? You don't believe everything you've heard because they live in domes on the planet Mandalore, right? Because of the Jedi battle, everything was destroyed. So when the empire raided Mandalore, they had this rumor or it was supposed to be the truth that nobody could go back there. It's because they fear the Mandalorians. Now, the thing is during the purge, we see who got the dark saber there, right? It was Moff Gideon. Now, Bo-Katan is, is obviously searching for 
this dark saber so she can properly rule rule Mandalore again and get people back onto her planet, get everybody back together again. Now, how much information is that to pack into <laughs> the Mandalorian series? See, that's why I'm saying there's got to be a spinoff, guys, right? You know what I'm saying? Well, so, if not a spinoff, this is, we're talking season three material here. Right? And we haven't even touched, we've all forgot about Boba Fett now. Who? Right? Yeah. And remember, I think I also predicted that we're not going to see him again in this, or at least not till the very end, right? We're not going to see Boba Fett again. That'd be a huge prediction. If I get that prediction, man, I don't know. Well, it's almost like Boba Fett's going to reunite the Mandalores. Like he will be the all-encompassing. Right, right. And and a small other thing in canon now, Jango Fett uh, was the ruler, the head guy of uh, the true Mandalores for a while there until... uh, Until the 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 Vizsla clan came back in, so wow, sorry, a lot of information. Or the main thing we want that you want to remember from this one is, you've got Death Watch, you got the true Mandalorians, which is Mando, you've got the new Mandalorians, which is uh, Bo-Katan, and the new ones coming in trying to retrieve the dark saber. The dark saber has been taken by Moff Gideon during the Empire purge of the planet Mandalore. So if, if my homework for all our Mando fans out there is to <laughs> Google the name Vizsla, Vizsla. pre-Vizsla or Tarvisla. Previsla is probably the easiest one to Google, but that'll take you way back to the original, original uh, Jedi Mandalorian who created the Darksaber. Yes, there was a Mandalore, Mandalorian who had Jedi powers and was part of the Jedi. Um, I can break down that a little bit more, but uh, wow. there's your homework. There's your homework. Um, that's my, uh, this is the way segment. That Boom. was, that was the way. That was the way. That, that was, the, was way. the way. And he's that doing the, the thing. We can put wow. That. Put something up there. Listen oh, to this guy. Rats. Listen to this guy. Bam! He's not man, just a oh man. Not a, not a pretty face with the amazing guitar shredding skills. I so. can bring in record producers. I can cool. tell you songwriters on the third Poison record. <laughs> anyway, I'm always so, draw, as, I, I, I write and draw too, so I, all this stuff is like food for my brain for what I what I do for you know. Well, you know what this actually is. Um, I know that uh, Lucasfilm was talking about uh, starting a uh, Star Wars university, but but we're doing this as a uh, this is our prerequisite. Yes, this is entrance entrance exam. Yeah. One day it will be a legit job, right? Star Wars 101. Again, I love the the the, the look of the, the of the show. It looked amazing. Mm-hmm. The pacing yeah. was awesome. And again, here we are, A Team style. We got to solve something. We got to get this shit solved and get out of that episode on the next one. And I'm curious. Um, I keep asking the question if that's always going to be the way. This is the way where it's, he's got to solve something every single episode. I think it works well for my little guy who's ten who loves that they got to go in and solve something and leave. So they've, they've got this formula dialed in that is uh, absolutely glorious. And the Scooby-Doo uh, formula. <laughs> yeah, the Scooby-Doo formula. And away we go. So predictions for the next episode, gents. Uh, wow. Well, uh, I'm going to say that we've, we, we've seen this uh, monster show. Take a step back. Monster show. I think people are going to be expecting Ahsoka in this next episode. I don't think we see Ahsoka yet. I think this is going to be another one of those bridge episodes. Uh, I believe Carl Weathers is directing the next episode, which would have me believe that Mando with a ship that's in serious need of repair is going to link up with some people from season one, uh, Cara Dune thinking maybe, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, I think we're going to see another bridge episode where we might see Moff Gideon. Cause again, you know we saw the hologram at the end of episode three which i thought was kind of neat long live the empire 
that was that was kind of a neat little thing oh, considering solid. where we are in in the timeline mm-hmm. uh so i i think it's going to be a bit more of a, a bridge episode with possibly another you know sort of oh episode five it's going to be the 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 meeting of ahsoka and mando and and the child mm-hmm. which it's funny we haven't talked one bit about the child for that for this whole episode i know right yeah, yeah. good point and the, and the frog man we got to see the frog family oh, how good was the, how good was their interaction when they hugged each other i was like oh man again watch when like what's look they got they're back together again like look it's so nice and it's so cool and but again this this goes back to that whole uh with with the different directors i, I think uh, the bryce dallas howard really yeah. brought that sense of of uh emotion the family the connection like the the love yeah. between the frog family uh mando's you know he is he was offended at the fact that bo took their helmets off like there's the the little subtleties in it and how they played it again it was really it, it's so well done that it's hard to believe that this is a TV series and not film related. So um, I I'm, I'm excited. I I do think next episode is going to be a little more of a, okay, let's, let's pump the brakes just a bit. And then we're going to push forward in episode five. Uh, And I think we'll see Ahsoka by episode five, maybe six. Mm -hmm. Thinking so. Chris. Yeah, well, I agree with all that for sure. Um, so you got to look at who's directing these next episodes too, right? Filoni's not directing the next one, but he's directing the next one after. What character did he create? The one that we're about to see. So it won't. You're right, Griff. It won't be in the next uh, the next episode. It will be a bridge episode. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking we're going to see Cara Dune again, which is great. She's again one of my favorites. And yeah, Carl Weathers is is uh, directing this one, correct? Yes. So yeah, I could see him, you know, possibly being in being in this as well. Um, but I think again, I, I I'm I'm having a hard time predicting. I'm predicting that um, again, this not this episode, but the next one's going to be a big one. There's not much I can really pull out of this one to really be too earth shattering, other than uh, agreeing totally what Mike said, and that uh, the episode after is the one where we're really gonna. It'll it'll end with that big deal of coming to the Jedi. You know, finding finally Man, Mando finding the Jedi. And then we get to see our uh, our big reveal here, but uh, yeah, of Ro- it's Rosario Dawson. It I is, it that. is right, right. Yeah, she's gonna play that amazingly too. I'm I'm really stoked on that. That's uh, yeah. Again, I I don't know how. Uh, I think that it'll be the next episode where I'll be all like, oh, this is gonna happen. That happened right now. I don't think there's too much to predict in this next episode. Probably be really exciting, but uh, I could well, let's see if something. I could be wrong on this one. Maybe something really huge will happen. We'll see, but. I'm calling it with Mike saying it's going to be a pretty standard episode and we're going to have a big uh, what the fuck moment at the end of it. <laughs> I, I'm, I doing, I'm doing over-unders then. Okay. Carl Weathers is directing. Yes. Uh, do we see Clubber Lang and Ivan Drago and Bert, and Bert Young? <laughs> That's the question. Or do we get, um, do we get uh, some of the cast from The Predator? I don't know. We're going to see. We're going to see. We're going to have a throwback. But it is time for... That's my Wookiee! Okay, so okay. Are, are you guys tied? I can't remember what was we tied two two. I stole a point I back at the end. Yeah, because I, I I messed up. Thank ah, you. Yeah. With what's her name? Okay, so check so, so we got Amy our first. Sedaris, uh, I will never forget Amy Sedaris. Now there you go. From, there you go. Uh, that's what I'm here for. Okay. Not much okay, else. So here, level one. Level one. Level one. Easy questions here. Okay, so okay. Mike, you chose first last time. Brent, right. uh, question uh, A or question B? We're going B today. Okay. Uh, was Luke raised by his stepbrother? And sister or aunt and uncle? As I know, aunt and uncle or stepbrother and stepsister. Who raised Luke? Oh, we're going aunt and uncle. 
There you go. Ding, 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 ding. Ding, ding, ding. You got it. You got it. All right, Mike, you got the other question. Uh-oh. Which is, who cut Darth Maul in half? Was it Obi-Wan or Qui-Gon? That would have been uh, Obi-Wan. Yeah! When he did his little, I love that little move where he's like hanging and then he, yeah. he and he just does the little flip and then, and then uh, Ray Park with that look on his face like, and yeah. then he flops. Yeah, I was, I was so disappointed that there's no more Darth Maul. Oh, he could come at. Why do you I see Mike? It, Mike, why do you see Darth Maul in the Clone Wars and stuff you're watching? Hey, I was excited to see Darth Maul at the end of Soul. Oh. Like that was yeah, that cool was cool. Too, which again cool. throws back to shows yeah. that I have not seen yet with Darth Maul and his metal legs. So you'll you'll see some cool stuff. Uh, okay, now we're gonna get to the harder questions. Okay? Uh, okay. All right. So Brent, A or B? I'm gonna go A this time. All right. How old was Yoda when he died? Eight hundred and something. I don't know the exact figure. I think he was eight hundred years old. Yeah. Mike, do you want to steal? Oh, when it's uh, when, uh, when oh no, okay, 900. 900 years. <sighs> when 900 years, years old, you you become... well, you got Empire in the back. Can you move over? Can you move over? Okay, so Brent, that was you. okay. Mike, you ready, buddy? Okay, what month? Oh boy, was a new hope released? So the original uh, Star Wars movie. What month was it released? What month? That would what be, uh, hang on a sec, uh, I believe it was May. Whoa, uh, he gets it! May 5th, 1977. May 25th, that was close, oh, 25th, 25th. May 25th, 1977. Okay. Ding, 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 ding. All right. So Mike is now winning four to three. Mike is, Mike is up uh, four to three. Yeah. Four to three. Oh. That's my Wookiee. That's his Wookiee. <laughs> can i just do right. a job of the hut instead okay that's cool that's my hut yeah, that's my hut <laughs> terrible you guys got some breaking breaking wwe well, news we're gonna to go with you? news of the week we got news a, of the week okay. we're gonna go news of the week there's been lots of news of the week uh we our next guest uh on the show today is gonna be mark garnish from kpp productions and, and the film uh, kingston um film uh festival so yes we'll go with that now in the waiting room oh well, let's get going to my, we can do that then we should well no let's bring him in we'll bring him into the oh, news on the wrestling the yes let's bring him into the news of the week let's see what's going on wrestling too with uh Mark with Mark wrestling. all right gonna come well, on there's his name I, we see his name dun, dun, dun. we just gotta wait for his video dun, 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 dun. see I, I should have a guitar okay. in my hand and i can put like dun 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 yeah, dun what, what's going like, on that's the jack black way to do it right yeah he said his uh zoom was being uh uh oh it was being wacky so we guess have what to, we, three we two, have to one. talk we've put a half hour of wwe in, wrestling yeah we've put him back in the waiting room back into the waiting room okay. Out you go. The waiting. is there any beer right. in there for him it is time for news of the week um so touching on a few things uh i'm gonna put up a timer chris i'll put up a little timer right about okay there, maybe and uh we're gonna set the, the timer and, and this will go as far as we can try to go with it here but um News of the week, starting three, two, one, go. Alex Trebek, go. Oh, man. Funniest skit ever was the SCTV ones about him. Boom. Yes. Uh, half wits. Uh, yes. To my, fa my favorite yes. of all time. Just watched it last night. Or the uh, night before. Yes. And one of my favorite game shows that Alex Trebek did that uh, if you have a chance, there was a, a mini series that was produced by Game TV. Uh, mm -hmm. It was called uh, the uh, the game shows uh, we we loved. It was all about Canadian game shows. It's yeah. a five part series. You can find it, I believe, uh, 
before the end of this segment, I will, I will get the address. Uh, a game show that he video, did in 1980, I think it was 1981, called mm-hmm. Pitfall. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Uh, which was an uh, elaborate game show that with a huge set built. It was out in Vancouver. There's a great story behind it that I had no idea about how much of a disaster this uh, this game show was. But it was all elevators, and you had to cross the elevators and answer questions. I will always remember Alex from that. Uh, he was amazing in Jeopardy. And just the outpouring from, you know, average people you saw you know celebrities like the the complete everybody really felt like they lost something when when alex trebek uh passed away and uh he was class act all the way up to the end i think his last episode is going to be is it christmas day that they're running well i just watched one the other day though we were the kids were totally into my daughter just loved it and just loved um his like she would just talk about his delivery she's like he just does he does he know everything and if they just ran a really great uh, documentary on him on the other night on Sunday night, where he basically would go in at 6 a.m., get ready for the show, and he just read and have the, like the Jeopardy library. Smart guy, uh, never took himself too seriously, and um, the best, the, simply the simply the best. So I'm not going to play any um, Tina Turner here, but. Anyways, the best. Alex Trebek, moving on. AEW news. Go ahead, Chris. Oh man, okay. So AEW, we have some title changes in AEW. Uh, so Darby Allen defeated uh cody yes you can use my last name again Rhodes, which was <laughs> which was kind of strange after all the guys cody Rhodes fought but okay i'm predicting i'm hearing stings coming into aw have you guys heard that that stings coming I've, in i've heard rumors of that i don't know if that's not sure uh, you, you see with darby allen sitting up in the stands by himself right doing the exact same thing that sting used to do uh, the crow uh, sting, yes so it's looking like that might happen so yeah so darby allen uh tnt champ crazy um the young bucks beat ftr for the tag belts, which I thought was, I, I wasn't a big fan of FTR. Um, oh, crap. Not, not in the AEW anyway. Uh, I, yeah. I don't know. They just, they were okay. Ag- we'll agree to disagree, but. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I wasn't too thrilled with them. They came with their truck and stuff. That's I, maybe it's the angle they played in there. Um, not a huge fan of the young bucks are okay. Like they got some good ring stuff. Uh, the all elite stuff behind the scenes is really funny. They really enjoy. So the tag new tag team champs that's been coming for a while. <laughs> the MJF went over Jericho. The, the comedy in between that is just killing me. Man. I just, I, I just, MJF uh, is gold. That kid has, he has <laughs> the, he is, he is, he is a throwback to uh, Roddy Piper. Uh, is he not the new kayfabe King? Like my gosh. And he plays it throughout life. It's hilarious. Yeah, he's uh, he's excellent. He's excellent in the ring. He's excellent on the mic. Uh, that kid is is going to be a future Hall of Famer slash superstar. He is going to lead that company. I know he jokes about it and, and talks about how he is the one to take AEW 20 years from now. Uh, mm-hmm. No doubt. Like that kid. I agree, man. He's yeah. gold. He's gold. Hilarious, too. Just hilarious. And, of course, um, uh, well, Moxley retained his title. So, uh, Which was a pretty Eddie, sick Eddie match, King. too. Yeah, it was a pretty sick match. Yeah, there's, uh, there's a couple other ones that I'd like. Um, well, uh, Kenny Omega and the Hangman Page match. Was, and that was right off the bat. That was the first yeah. match of the pay-per-view. And that was pretty good. I like Kenny Omega because he's so cartoony. Um, he loves his wrestling. Like, he takes video game moves, right, and tries to put them in. I've watched him a lot in the Japanese wrestling, uh, the New yeah. Japan. And I really liked him. In, and... But it's funny because his demeanor, to me, still comes over like he's he has a little bit of uh, the Japanese kind of uh, 
what's like you know a little his the way he acts and the way he displays quirky. himself yeah the quirkiness is is a little more the japanese audience oriented which and, might be uh, why Vin, which is why i know he was i think offered something in wwe but might be why ultimately well he was in nxt he was he was in the nxt development uh yeah, just oh okay before yeah uh, so he's next in line to fight moxley yeah and i think we're seeing that uh, I don't know if this is a Tony Khan thing, but I mean, Kenny Omega really was originally a, one of the cornerstones of AEW. Yeah. And I think now it's kind of like with the Young Bucks. Uh, I don't know if you saw the article where, you know, the talk was it was Tony Khan's idea to put the belts on on the Bucks and mm-hmm. sort of elevate them now. I think it's they're building towards that where Kenny Omega is sort of going to get his push if you want to call it that um mm-hmm. he's he's moving to the forefront they may, be, they may be guilty mike of jump of they may be guilty of um too much too soon it was such a rush to get aew and and i think at that time everyone was it was so like yeah this, this thing and then it's like everyone's gonna get a shot everyone's gonna get and then i think as you see with re- like wrestling in general you need time you Absolutely. can't rush. You can't rush things, and but I think here's, that's where Omega's got to step. Here's in. here's the the a point to think about with that. Right now, um, AEW, for all intents and purposes, is firing on all cylinders. Cylinders from from just like a fan perspective, AEW seems to be doing everything right, or at least doing more things right than wrong. Uh, the presentation is still it's it's good. It's COVID. They're they're making the best of it. Uh, one of the original complaints about AEW was that they're going to be too thin. Like they're not going to have enough meat on the bones to, to be taken seriously. You've got, you know, you've got your Cody Rhodes, your Bucks, your Omega, uh, your Jericho, but then you got a whole lot of nothing down below. They've done a really good job with AEW dynamite or sorry, not dynamite, uh, uh, dark, um, in giving some of those younger, uh, talent, uh, a platform to to shine uh like uh was it john silver and alex reynolds i think mm-hmm. that, yeah those silver and reynolds yeah, uh, a lot yeah. of these guys these younger guys are getting a chance to build their names sunny kiss joey janela were mm-hmm. you know uh, pillman's they, son yeah sean uh, well yeah brian pillman jr uh, yeah. sean spears you know he's yeah even scorpio sky they were taking dark and making it sort of their second show but giving these young guys a, a great opportunity I, I think now Tony Khan's starting to realize, hey, Vince has kind of got some issues. There's some faltering going on here. Strike when the when the when you know when it's hot. Mm-hmm. And this week we saw the games announcement, which was huge. Like this has been something that a lot of the hardcore fans were really banking on was okay, you got Kenny Omega, who's a huge video game nerd, mm-hmm. uh, the Bucks as well. What are they gonna do when it comes to things outside of wrestling so video games everybody has been talking aew are they going to be the ones to bring back the no mercy of wrestling video games i've heard that that's what's happening and and we got that this week we got the announcement that they're launching uh two mobile games and they're in early you know pre-alpha stage uh they've got ukes on board and uh get us on who was the director of no mercy is is also part of the project so Mm-hmm. they showed some early footage it's it's pretty cartoony i mean kenny omega looks like he's wearing a giant gonzalez mm-hmm. uh outfit but it's early it's pre-alpha yeah. but the buzz is there and i think it's just a matter of tony khan is taking this you know at a from a business perspective striking when it's hot uh 
trying to capitalize on the fact that Vince has got some issues as of late, which Brent and I were discussing. Uh, we'll get into and, before we welcome yeah. Mark, Mark Garnis. Hi, Mark. <laughs> there he is. He got the so, buddy. You did it. Chris is Chris is using this happened last week too uh, with Jeff. Chris is using all the internet. Look at all the shit going on in his house right now. <laughs> all the internet oh, in Kingston. <laughs> so we're we're chatting a bit. Uh, news of the week. We've already covered off a few things. AEW. Um, uh, before we, we get to Mark. before we get to um, the next subject, uh, we were talking AEW and a few things. But uh, Jake the Snake Roberts. Oh yeah. Not looking yeah. too hot right now. Yeah. The uh, no. COPD, whatever they call it, is catching up to him finally. Just did a press conference, um, or sorry, a bit of an interview where he was talking about uh, he's pretty angry at himself over the whole <laughs> thing. And and it kind of sucks because he, he was on a really steady comeback here. Uh, who's he managing in? Um, who's he managing? Lance in- Archer. Sorry? Lance, Lance Archer. Archer. Oh, Lance Archer. Right, right. Why did you call Sean Spears? Uh, no, Tully Blanchard's been handling Sean Spears. That's right. That's he, right. That's and I right. think I think uh, Jake is the, the master of the promo. So, Mark, you're you're just joining into the mix here. For let, give us your Jake the Snake Robert uh, favorite story. No, you've had Jake the Snake at the film festival. Wow, was, was that the resurrection of Jake Roberts? The the documentary. That's cool. Wouldn't it be funny if Jake had a whole bunch of stories like that, where like we talked to someone in like Arkansas and he was at our car wash. <laughs> he was just kind of getting, he was just washing his car. And then he signed autographs. And then, and then next thing you know, he's at the company retreat, uh, wrestling on. my uncle Bill. And I don't know what happened. Mark Garnis is here from the, from KPP productions and the Kingston film festival, just in time yes. for news of the week. Uh, and he also that, was the, that, the guitar player and songwriter. And I hate Sally, one of the greatest Canadian metal bands of all time. You got your guitar, Can't Chris. You guys, you've got two guitar players on here. And no guitars. Yeah. Um, anyone adding to Jake before we move on? I was just going to say, uh, Jake Roberts is actually going to be featured in season three of Dark Side of the Ring, uh, that Vice uh, series. Oh, right. That's a good uh, series. They're going to be looking at the Grizzly Smith family. So oh, his, his dad, dad no. Smith, uh, his brother, I think it was his brother, Sam Houston, was also a wrestler in the... Mm. Uh, 80s uh he has a sister too i can't remember uh and then uh jake as well which is a messed up family so it'll be perfect i love dark side of the ring that's uh one of the finest uh sort of wrestling series and it features a lot of i i 
thought it was kind of neat seeing a lot of uh, independent wrestlers that they used as the body doubles, the shadow body doubles in uh, in those episodes. So season three, uh, it's been talked. There's only been uh, a handful of episodes that they've talked about what they're going to uh, showcase. Uh, Grizzly Smith and Jake Roberts is uh, is on that list. Last subject uh, of the news of the week as we roll through uh, Zelina Vega. Fired by the WWE this week uh, in a interesting twist that started online as her starting a bit of a ruckus about maybe unionizing the wrestlers. So it comes Which is out. not the first time that's happened. No, Chris? No, no that was uh, Jesse Ventura. That's right. Foiled by Hulk Hogan, but we'll, that's a thunder thing. That's for our 80s wrestling podcast. That's, that's, um, that was my main knowledge of this subject right now. <laughs> so back she, in she, initially, it was floating around that she was canned for that. Uh, and it's now turned out that um, she's kind of been the scapegoat as the uh, having an OnlyFans site. Um, and just further for echoing the the Vince McMahon WWE policy of, hey, we got you. You're ours. You can't do anything on the side. And if you do, we're going to shut you down. And if you don't, you're out. And she, I think, might be one of the first ones canned for it if the this, rumors are true. So, Mike. Well, this, this goes back, I mean, sort of just a little bit of the backstory for people that don't know. Um, a lot of the wrestlers during this COVID time have been supplementing their incomes doing Twitch streaming. Uh, Paige, uh, Soraya. Uh, she's she's one of the the most successful she's making killer bank uh zelina vega uh, whose real name is thea trinidad or thea budgen because she's married, married to, to uh, alistair black, alistair black. Uh, tom tom budgen i think that's his last name uh they have she's also got a very successful twitch stream uh they're making a lot of money on the side and what i didn't realize is that um the way the contracts, and I read a little bit of an article today, I don't know how legit this is because you take the internet wrestling community with a grain of salt. Except for this uh, fucking show. This well, show's got yeah. it all down. The um, <laughs> that the, the way their contracts are structured, a lot of the lower tier contracts are heavily weighted in live events, uh, um, uh, house shows. So with that money out of the picture because of COVID, uh, you can imagine some of these contracts are pretty light. So definitely a way to supplement. There's also the side where, hey, they're just, you know, they're trying to kill some time uh, and they're they're enjoying doing it. And they're also building their fan base. So this became something that Vince McMahon, who I want to liken to the record industry during the Napster era. Ah, God damn it, pal. I don't know what that is. Um, careful Mike he's still cutting checks to you no not anymore Um, (laughs) but but the idea was no idea what's going on like that's not the focus the focus is the product it's always been the product much like the record industry was like they're not going to be able to do anything without us Uh, it's a different time so now Vince finally somebody got in his ear and realized (laughs) they're making money off of you know these characters that I helped create Uh, well I want to cut. I think it goes deeper than that. I think there's a little bit of um, protecting, protecting your investment. It's, I have you under a contract. If you do something online on your Twitch stream that doesn't jive with the company, you know, that's, that's no good. This is, I don't have control over that. So I think this was a partial control thing, a partial monetary thing, maybe even one of those, Hey, it's a great excuse to get rid of more talent. Uh, 
without just outright I firing. Think it's, I think it's more of a, I think it's a, a yes to that, but I think it's a contract thing. And, and um, there was a great point brought up today um, that I heard about it, which is like, Hey, you get a downside, you sign the deal. That's the arrangement. We own you. This is the way it is. This is the way. This is the way. And I totally agree with that. Downsides now going, well, that's not enough. And I think there could have been probably a go back to Vince. Mark, you're dealing with contracts. You're dealing with movie people. You're dealing with, but, uh, let's with see the, that kind of property. What do you think of that kind of arrangement? For, there, uh, there's a, there's uh, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of stuff that's coming out about how the contracts pre AEW and post AEW. There were a lot of talent that re-upped when AEW came on board, when Vince was trying to protect and keep guys and girls. From stolen. Yeah. So there were new contracts that were structured. Um, some of these contracts that, you know, I think, I think Thea Trinidad's contract was a pre AEW uh, where she wasn't making a lot of money. She was actually making more money on her Twitch stream and now through OnlyFans than she was with her WWE contract. So from that standpoint, you look at, you look at the balance, like where's my bread being buttered here? Uh, what's, what's the, you know, upside mm-hmm. here, but she signed I, a deal. She signed a deal. And, Mark, is it fair? Uh, is it fair? That's that's the crazy thing, Mark, is that they're considered independent contractors, which is also the um, Andrew Yang uh, in, in the States. Uh, one of the I think he's a Democratic politician has now Trump. weighed in. He's he's weighed in. And he's, you know, he's on that side of like, you know, the wrestlers, they're independent contractors, but there's, they're being treated like they're uh, regular employees. So there's a disconnect. Now SAG-AFTRA has jumped on board and is trying to convince the wrestlers to join SAG-AFTRA as some means of protection under, under the union. Gabrielle Carteris, who's the president of SAG-AFTRA, you might remember her as um, uh, 90210, what was her name? uh yeah i know the uh, old one she the was the old, old one the old one yes Andrea, oh, there you go that's Andrea. right thank you, there you when go. You when, when thea posted her um i believe in unions the I union thing yeah. yeah union thing uh gabriella carteris uh fought, like retweeted after that and said uh we stand behind you and i think this has now opened up discussion where sag after is trying to get uh, the wrestlers under SAG-AFTRA as some form, uh, means and form of of union protection, which this is going to become a much bigger story over the next couple of months. Thea Trinidad going on OnlyFans was the straw that broke the camel's back. They had a meeting with Vince about this and they pled their case, uh, not just her, but a, a number of the other uh, superstars. Uh, Vince was not having it. This is the, This is the way. This is how we operate. And I think she just did it as a big middle finger to Vince saying, well, screw you. I'm doing this. And so she was released um, due to breach of contract. That's Maybe she'll uh, end up in AEW. There you go. Oh, well, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens to her husband because he's still in the WWE. And we see what happened when Miro went to AEW. Lana is going through a table every week now. Uh, (laughs) Let's see what happens with Aleister Black. But it's, it's, it's interesting how now... Um, AEW seems to be doing everything right. Vince is, he's, this is something the, the whole, uh, Twitch streaming, um, uh, YouTubing, all that stuff. He could have been ahead of the curve on this 
had he chosen to, but a lot like the record company, once Pandora's box was open, there was no way you were putting anything back into it. And now it's damage control. And he's looking bad in this, in this instance. He's looking bad just now business. Well, especially, (laughs) especially in the current, the current business climate, I'm sure business people will look at it and I see it from Vince's side. Hey, I made, I gave you a platform to build this character, uh, to build this career. Uh, Now you're going to go and basically, you know, make side, a side hustle based on it. Uh -uh, You got to kick back some agent money or some, you know, that thing. I get that. But at the same time, Vince and, you know, the, the higher ups in WWE, they were too late to the game. And now they've hired somebody that is going to handle um, that side of the business, the streaming, the, uh, the revenue that comes from streaming a platform for the superstars to do this, but they'll be doing it under the WWE umbrella. And it'll get taken off their bottom line. It's well, and that's what it is. The money that they make from Twitch, a percentage of that is is going to be taken off their contracts, according to what what's been posted. And again, you take that with a grain of salt. It's crazy. I don't I don't know. Uh, I think Tony Khan is just sitting back right now and going, <laughs> all right, you guys do you. We're just going to do us and and we'll see how things go. This is why this is why Chris Machete loves AEW so much. There's none of this shit going on. Over well, there. yeah, I, appear, I, you know? I just don't have time to watch both. And I just, it's like, I've, I've, I've jumped on the AEW band. Like when it started, I kind of, I dove in there. I saw it was coming. I was like, okay, I'm going to check this out. Because there's some wrestlers in there I really dug. And then I have just, I'm not a big, uh, I'm not a big Vince McMahon fan, just in general. You know what I mean? Um, and I know he's just high up. I, I have nothing against any of the wrestlers at all. And I just, it's nothing. I'm not a political guy. But if I had to choose, I would, I'd go out with the AEW and I just stuck with it because it is old school. And it's, I can't, I can't, it's like uh, watching like a show, you know, you got to pick one show because you get caught up in every every episode and and you you, you can't do two because my mind can't handle two so hey man but i do i i miss the old like, of course i watch the old wwf all the time right like i love that stuff and i loved when vince was was the uh just doing the doing the uh announcing and stuff like yeah it's, it's just su- such good memories such good memories you know what i mean then- I, I will say right now it is a it's a renaissance i i'm i have a, a lot of friends that are pro wrestlers a lot that are in the independents it is a pre-covid mind you Mm -hmm. it was a boom time and a great time because there's plenty of places to work for these guys plenty of places for them to you know uh, get some reps under their belt to to make a name for themselves to get involved in the business i think it's a it's a great time uh it's just this this could this could be very damaging for the wwe and i think the next couple of months is is really going to be you're going to see either a lot of people leaving getting out or a lot of people swooping in and taking advantage of saying you know what hey man i would rather get uh, a half a million downside guarantee uh you can own me for you know five years go ahead mm-hmm. you know yeah but you're not going to be allowed to be a superstar and that's the difference it's survivor series coming up this weekend i'll leave it at this the, yep. all they're talking about is the undertaker mm-hmm. they're not yeah. talking mm-hmm. about they're not talking about anything else. And how old is the undertaker that comes back to us? So nothing's changed. There's no new superstars. Um, the fans are smarter than ever. They're not going to be forced into like Roman Reigns is your guy. This is your guy. The fans, I don't know when they get a chance to pick who they want. It's just, it, it's really, it feels very, very messed up right now up in WWE world. Um, and that's the undertaker. Do you remember the undertaker's original name? Me, Mark Callis. Yeah, but what was it? it? Was wasn't it Mean Mark? Mean Mark Callis, oh. yeah. Oh yeah, he. Yeah. No, I just say it was Mean Mark. 
Meanwhile. That's what I, I love. Even pre Undertaker, I that old, old, old stuff, man. Yeah, and, and Mike, plus, you've you've met him, yeah. Uh, I I rode an elevator with uh, Taker and his wife Michelle McCool after uh, it was one of the WrestleManias uh, we were he, going. He pushed me once party. in Oshawa. Oh, did he? <laughs> he opened up the Civic Auditorium. It was him he's against Macho Man. Dude. He's a big dude, and he is as as intimidating as everybody says he is. Uh, but he is apparently one of the nicest guys too. So uh, it's uh, I, it's a great time to be a wrestling fan. But mm-hmm. if I'm Vince McMahon, I'd be a little nervous right about now. Yeah, definitely. This is not the publicity you want. So that's news of the week. News ding, of the ding, week ding, on ding, the ding. Kids in the Escalator podcast. And and uh, on that note, uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna duck out. I, I've got some work to do. So uh, same Cheers, bad channel, Mando episode four. Looking forward to it. And uh, uh, I'm excited. And, and containing your lead in. That's my Wookie. <laughs> That's my Wookie. I'll, I'll work on that. And yes. uh, I'm I'm gonna be watching the back half of this because uh, I know you guys are gonna be talking uh, independent films and Clerks, one of my favorite of all time. And hey, Clerks tie in with Mando, Rosario Dawson, Clerks two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it's all it's all it never enjoyable. stops. Just, Mando's never just stops. gotta say, I wasn't even supposed to be here today. <laughs> Like after a battle, he gets a battle. Oh man, that's it. That's exactly it. Anyway, I'm, guys, throwing, I'm throwing that in my comic book. For everybody sure. find Mike Pongratz online doing yeah. all the stuff. Yeah, yeah. He's I'm, I'm, I'm around. MPVoiceovers.com and uh, yeah, all that good stuff. So, uh, thanks guys. We'll talk next Cheers, week, buddy. Cheers. See ya. All right, we're back on the Kids on the Escalator podcast with our good buddy Mark Garnis. Hey, Mark. KPP. Hello. You do the introductions. Tell us all about you, man. What are you doing? Where are you from? Well, yes, you are right. I am uh, in Kingston here with Chris. Not so far. Um, We we all met through music. Uh, Bands, I guess. It was kind of, I think we met before KPP. Um, Yeah. We we, we all met in uh, in punk bands in playing in Kingston. And it, it... it might have been a show that we played together in which KPP started. So I think, nice. you know, back in the day, we would have we would have needed a, a presenter on the logo. So instead of I Hate Sally Presents, we I maybe came up with Kingston Punk Productions. Nice. I think the first show together show. was The Dungeon in Oshawa, wasn't it? Where we first met The Dungeon. No, or was it in Toronto? At, it was might either The Dungeon. Might have been Toronto. Might have been Toronto. It's uh what was that? It was a, that venue at the Queen fish and bar, the one that smelled like fish. Uh, oh boy! I was thinking of the other day, uh, Planet Kensington. Yes, that's it, Planet yeah, Kensington. Yeah, so was, yeah. I can't remember if we did that show together first, or we did the Dungeon show together first. But I remember yeah. you got us the Toronto show, and we got us the Oshawa show at the Dungeon, and uh, from there we just did so many shows together. Huh? Like, that's it was the way like, it was. That's the way bands did it back then. You did yeah. you did show trades, and I think that's the way you um, that's the way you kind of built yourself up back then. I don't know. I don't. I don't, I don't see local bands really doing that as much, you know, it might just be like us being out of the scene. It's, it's probably still happening, but I felt like there was like a real like organic kind of movement between Kingston and Oshawa and, and Toronto of bands doing show trades. And yeah. Uh, and there was another, uh, another Kingston kind of celebrity that was playing with us a lot, but he was in Slaves of Spanky back then. Right. Yeah. And then that's, uh, what does he go by now? Brennan. Brennan, um, what is this? Uh, B Rich? Rich. Yeah. B Rich is how he, uh, he made his money, right? The out for, of, uh, right? for for out for a rip. He was B rich, yeah. Yeah, but he used to play in a band called I uh, Slaves of Spanky, right? Yeah, and he'd be on the same shows as like metal and punk bands we'd be on, and it was like it was totally. really cool. You know, it yeah. was just it was friends, and we'd help each other out. And it was really cool. 
So yeah. uh, it's, it's kind of neat that all three of our, our bands have kind of evolved to take care of ourselves in our own way though. Right. You know what I mean? It's not like, well, yeah, you know, I'm my, fir- my third job in this in two weeks and you know, I'm still digging a hole down by the river. It's not like that. We're all doing really well. It's cool that we came up out of uh, the crazy punk rock scene, you know, yeah. in Toronto, uh, Ontario. That's a good area. point, Chris, because it's rare that you see, um, if I think of back to some of the bands that we played with back then, um along that scene and mark you can touch on it probably even deeper from the from the indie bands that came in when we weren't playing with you like just the bands that came into um mm-hmm. you know the, the venues and stuff like that but um i mean we're all doing something in music still for the most part chris is teaching and i'm mm-hmm. running concerts and you're still running concerts and doing yeah. stuff and i feel like I a think- lot of us a lot of us fell into it by accident i don't know if you did brent or not like maybe maybe you had bigger visions from the get-go or not well I'm i always not sure. i mean i always wanted to be i mean i touched on it a little while ago where i wanted to be a rock star obviously that was the thing right. and you play the drums and you like, i wanted to be you know i wanted to be a drummer in a, in a rock band and 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 dent actually and i were in a in a <laughs> And ever before this, and then and then we st- and then he brought Chris into the mix, and then we and then we um, had some fun with it. But at that point, um, when we started playing shows with Chris, like Chris was the first, like he he came in with a guitar and wrote a song right in front of us, and that was the first time that that, <laughs> that happened. sounds like Chris, yeah. <laughs> but in, instead of, but it was like instead of like four guys with, well, I got this riff, and then that's all they had. It was like Chris was like, "What do you think of this?" And I'm like. Wow. And then that kind of gave me that first taste of like, maybe this could be something where it could go. And then we started playing shows like, you know, as we all do. But then as I got a taste of of playing shows and then I started getting a little bit, I you know, hooked on the idea of maybe running shows. Mm-hmm. Which, well, you realized you could do other stuff probably better than you, you probably realized you could be a better promoter than the promoter that was putting on your show, right? You probably looked at be like except for our friends at KPP, but I was sorry that. But there was a bit of that. There was a bit of but also we, yeah, big, we had the, we had some we had some sketchy uh sketchy years. I was about to say say shows, but we had a we had a few sketchy years off the get go. The big you, shows you, you learn you learn by like the big oh, shows yeah, were tough sure. to get on. And you kinda had to like, you know, I I, I thankfully had a good agent in, in Feldman in Toronto that gave me my mother earth and some of the headstones and some of these shows that we were allowed to open up for. Mm-hmm. which was awesome. But then also introduced me to tour managers. And then that sort of was like, well, what do you do? Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. then it went from there and then it was fun to kind of go off from that. And then I, you know, unfortunately realized through that, that I was probably better at that than being a drummer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's crazy that, how, mm-hmm. how, um, like, I, I don't know how many tour managers are out there with, with the bigger Canadian acts, but you run into the same people so often. And, you know, just like the sound techs and the tour managers and, uh, but there's no better it, example, Mark, than right now with the three of us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cause we're here yeah. together talking clerks and we're talking independent film because you're in, you're in, you know, film and, and well, your film festival, Mark is the biggest one in, in, uh, Canada. Well, we're the so we're the largest all Canadian film festival. Right, so yeah, so yeah, we we just we show all Canadian movies is kind of the our our angle, our programming angle. But yeah, mm-hmm. no, we're certainly not as large as TIFF or 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 um, or Vancouver's got a big festival out there too, Brent, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, yeah, but you know we we attract around ten thousand people, which is pretty solid, and it's all Canadian films. So most people coming to the festival um 
aren't super aware of the filmmakers or, uh, you know, sometimes we'll get some Hollywood stars that are appearing in some of the films, but generally speaking, Canadian films pretty underseen. I think the last stat I heard is something like two and a half percent of the box office is spent on Canadian films in Canada, which is pretty low when you think about, you know, um, all the money being spent in theaters, it's, it's typically on the bigger Hollywood ones. So it's, it's about 2% of the box office is being spent on Canadian film. But yet a lot of these films, it's kind of like the cool indie Canadian bands that go over to Europe and get really big because a lot of these films, they'll go over to Berlin or Cannes or the Edinburgh Festival, all big festivals over in Europe and they'll win awards and like kick ass over there. And then they come back to Canada and you know, drive down the 401 to the Kingston Canadian Film Festival, and people don't know who they are, and have you know maybe they're on film five or six, and people have, have never seen anything by them. So it's mm -hmm. it's uh, you know it's interesting. And when I started with the film festival, uh, I would say I was in a similar position. I, I'm I'm a music guy, and I I, I was hired to organize and, and make the magic happen. Clearly, I've you know learned a little bit along the way. But when I started, I didn't uh, I didn't know a lot of these uh these prolific canadian filmmakers so it's uh it's a it's maybe a little bit like the wrestling you guys were talking about a minute ago it's like mm -hmm. so much of it can just go over your head if you're not in that scene so it's mm -hmm. uh so how does somebody get a film on the festival um well i mean you can submit to the festival so mm -hmm. if you if you have a film that you're it so we only take new films so it's something that's net that's not on netflix not on crave not easily accessible but if you submit it to the festival um we would consider it but then we're mm -hmm. also looking at what's winning awards at other festivals so we keep our eye on tiff we keep our eye on vancouver and uh whistler's got a good festival coming up and uh, the hot docs festival so we kind of make notes throughout the year what's winning awards and doing well elsewhere mm -hmm. and so that's kind of like our batch a and then our batch b is stuff that's submitted to us and nice. so you know if you live in kingston and shoot something on a low budget maybe because you're still an emerging filmmaker we all we, we make sure that we save spots for those films it's not all the the high-end is there requirements for films. that because i i mean i can do 4k and above on this this is like the florida LG. project man didn't florida project win like a oscar yeah. for something and it was shot on a cell phone Wow, crazy. Like, it's crazy. But you guys don't have ago? minimums. Do you have? Do you just say if it's a film and it's it meets this criteria? Yeah. Um, like you mean as far as like, uh, like production what, what, value? What's the criteria for a film? What dictates yeah, production value? Film? Yeah. What's the, what, uh, there's, what are the rules? there's no production value, but I mean, um, you know, like if a film that I think you're going to bring up in in a minute, like Clerks. I don't mm -hmm. know what the budget was on that film, but it wouldn't have been very high. No, I believe probably, I saw probably sixteen thousand, but I'm going to find out that's, right now. That's okay. that's so, yeah. Like, we don't really look at that side of things when we're um, accepting films. I would say it's more of a challenge to um, to create a, a a really strong film on a limited budget. But I, mm -hmm. I feel like that notion is being uh, tossed the wayside more and more now that people do have good quality cell phones that you can actually use to get good footage. I don't think a lot of filmmakers are really going about it that way, but I mean, I've, I've seen several good films shot on cell phones, one of which was Florida project. Um, I think is that the right one Florida project uh, was anyways, it was one that was up for an Oscar a few years ago was, was shot on a cell phone and, uh, and which is pretty crazy to think that they're, you know, competing against like Martin Scorsese films. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it drives them crazy too, but those guys love film and they love cinema. 
Yeah. Clerks. The original Clerks shot for twenty eight thousand, just under twenty eight thousand okay. dollars. So that's yeah. That's, so that's about that's about average for a Canadian film. No. Chris and I were talking. Uh, obviously, we've named the podcast after a Kevin Smith film uh, in Mallrats, mm-hmm. and um, we were t- kind of thought it would be a really cool idea to have a chat about independent films and and sort of the impact that maybe Clerks played on breaking that side of it open. And uh, I know these conversations have happened for years. We're way late to the game as far as, you know, these have been going on for a long time. But just from a personal standpoint, Chris and I certainly connected over at Clerks too. Uh, You know, all of us have connected kind of over Clerks. And um, I just want to get your take. I mean, how do we feel about Clerks and and just overall as an impact to, to, to pop culture? Uh, Chris, you go ahead. You start. Oh, well, it's... uh, um... Well, we were talking about earlier how you're taking a lot of things that back when Clerks was first put out, like, you know, you couldn't, you know, your, your hockey guys and your comic book guys are all put together. Um, stoners. Uh, it, yeah, stoners. Like, it, it, there was, it was, and there was a time, I think, in all of our lives where we didn't, I don't know, maybe it's not like that anymore, but I remember in grade seven and eight, uh, everybody hung out with everybody and was really, really cool. It was when I got it deep into high school where you started getting these separations, right? Mm-hmm. And the cool thing I found about, clerks was just uh i, I love the well obviously i love the fact that the movie looked like it was done pretty pretty simply you know what i mean like that's very mm-hmm. that's very inspiring for anybody's doing anything creative like my comic book for example um anybody's doing any kind of film or tv show or anything online watching clerks is very very inspirational because it's done very simply and then not with a, a ton of money um the other thing that i liked about clerks is just what went beyond that is how they easter egged every little character throughout uh the different movies that Kevin Smith did, but it all started with clerks. You know what I mean? I actually saw Mallrats before I saw clerks. And then I went back and saw clerks like the very next day. And it was like, Oh, that character and that character, you know, Mallrats was the one that really pushed it a little further for me. Uh, Cause Stan Lee was actually on it. Um, but, but yeah, Kevin Smith uh, has done, done a, for independent films. I think he's done. He's probably one of the most in pop culture, one of the most influential uh, creators in, in film for indie films. But yeah, that's I think, just from my view. I think Mark sure. have it. I think a lot of people looked at that and uh you think I can do that, you know, <laughs> like they did it very well. Mm-hmm. But you look at something like that, and it is on that. I forget what Brent said the budget was, it was low, but they look grand. at 20 28 grand. grand yeah. And uh so you're like, I got 28 grand, I can do that. Um, and you probably when you're looking at that, you don't think it costs 28 grand. A lot of that 28 grand is probably for for things that you wouldn't think of, but you um the drugs you know um, <laughs> well they had yeah, reels, I, reels back then right yeah so and I, nowadays yeah, you so wouldn't that, do that, that right so you know something like that would have been a big cost back in the yeah. day um but yeah i think you look at something like that and it looks um it's inspiring because it looks like something that you can um uh something that you can potentially do yourself it's like going to watch you know I, I keep I keep circling back to music, but it's like when you go watch a band, like a punk band, that's like hammering out three, four simple chords, but just like kicking ass on stage. You're like, I want to play in that band. You go see Rush, and you come away, you're kind of like, oh well, you know, I need to practice. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you go, you you see a movie like that, and I think it's uh, it, it is inspiring for for creative people because it shows that um, it shows that it it it's can be embraced by the masses and mm-hmm. uh and enjoyed without having to be on a scorsese budget right it's interesting because if you look at how he built the askew in that universe and we're talking about 
as Chris was saying, tying in mall rats and all these things and off to chasing Amy and a dogman as a, as a kind of, you know, all these characters kept coming back around. Um, and for someone like us that are, that are invested from the beginning, it's great. It's an early tribute to, I mean, the Avengers, obviously Stan Lee, um, he puts Stan Lee in, in the final um, Jay and Silent Bob. And it's a really great moment um, where Stan's on his way to read by he's reading mall rats. Yeah. On the bus. And it was a really great moment about it kind of coming back around and, and people joke about how, you know, Marvel got it right and DC's not getting it right. But the people that were making these Marvel movies and, and Favreau and all these guys, I mean, they came through the independent, they came through the Kevin Smith thing. What was Favreau's swing, first movie? Swingers. Swingers, yeah. And then all this right. other stuff. And But, I mean, he's gone on to, you know, I guess. Favreau's like a Star Wars guy now, man. Right. I, mm-hmm. he, Favreau's sure. awesome. But it's really interesting to kind of see how Kevin built that out. And mm-hmm. now when you see what's happening with all these franchises, like the Avengers are the ones that kind of got it right. Mm-hmm. And I can't help but think back to, like, the people that have been putting this together going, well, at some point going, Remember how Kevin Smith did this? We got to yeah. make sure we put these in, and I really think that that he needs more credit than. And now people are always getting. looking for the next. Like they, I, I, he probably brought a lot more credibility in indie films too. Mm-hmm. You know, until you know, like, I can imagine the things they were saying about him. Well, this dude here, you know, this stoner dude with this whole mm-hmm. chain smoking cigarettes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to watch his movie and his buddy that's following him around saying snooched everyone. Who the hell is it? Get the guy out of the studio. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, and now that well, seeing, yeah, a neat seeing a filmmaker like that too walking around in hockey jerseys, you know, right? You're like 24 <laughs> yeah, seven for sure. Yes, a lot of the filmmakers seem like artists, you know, they'll like, uh, very, very, uh, very decked out at award shows and stuff like that, but not him he'll show up in a hockey jersey it's kind of neat and to, and to your point too it kind of it made it okay to like not um to, to to like hockey and also be into film or to like hockey and also Comic be into music stuff, yeah. you know it's it's like you said when you're young you're into a lot of that stuff and you kind of get to a certain age where you're like okay well maybe i can't still like the maple leafs and like this punk band anymore but he mm-hmm. sort of said no fuck that yeah he it's did cool. he erased the yeah. line <laughs> Yeah, Chris and I, like I brought, you know, Chris and I um, uh, talk about this a lot about how um, Kevin probably writes women the best. Mm-hmm. And yeah, his dialogue for women, his is dialogue really, for women yeah. is the best. And, it, you mm-hmm. know, and we, we talked about the boys a couple of weeks ago and how well they're written and, and everything. And I, I, I the more <laughs> I've been true. thinking about it lately, I'm just like, I can't, I don't think he's getting enough credit for like mm-hmm. what he brought to the table with these. Like, even, even if you look at chasing a- Amy and how that was written, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not sure I've seen a character written like that. The dialogue in Chasing Amy is fantastic. I, that's wow. Do you know that one, Mark? Chasing Amy? I do. I haven't seen any of these in a long time, but yeah. Chasing Amy, like this, wow. Just the character development and the, the dialogue between them. It's like, it's so well done. It's, it's, it's a really, really well done movie, especially to come back with that one after Mallrats. It's like, mm-hmm. whoa, what? And he, you know, he touches on so many things too in that movie too, which was amazing. And then just the, uh, Oh, it's I mean, personal, right? Like it's, it's, it's so personal. Yeah. It's a very personal, personal movie. And those are, those are hard to do. Mm-hmm. I would think like, I've never, I've never written a movie, but I've written stories, you know, I, and I've been doing a lot of it lately. And man, mm-hmm. I'll tell you, dialogue is hard to write. Mm-hmm. Unless you have that magic quality, if you can come up with the story, provide the layouts for everything, how it's going to go, and produce the dialogue, man, wow, you're you're doing well because dialogue's mm-hmm. tough. He always he always seemed to get good. I I can't remember 
what was on the soundtrack off the top of my head, but I feel like he always had really kick-ass soundtracks. He had a lot too. of a lot of yeah. uh, Soul Asylum back then. He had some right. Weezer on yeah. on there. Um, oh Clerks man, too. Uh, I mean, the original, yeah, on all of them. I mean, Soul Asylum on 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 Chasing uh, Amy. The there was stuff. such a good song on there. We three. What a great song, man. What and the song. um, I really loved. I mean, I, I really thought he perfected it in Clerks too. I really do. I think it. People uh, talk about all his kind of favorite film, their favorite films of his, and I really loved Clerks too. I, I thought it was a really great story, and I just thought it was a really awesome. And it still kept that. It had a big, bigger budget feel to it, but it kept that independent uh, flow, and it still touched on this amazing story between him and Jay Buddies, and, yeah. and him and Randall and the and, romance. And, you know, yeah. they're all grown up now, mm-hmm. and yeah. It was. Have really- either of you guys seen? Um- the nirvana the band the show uh out of out of toronto it was uh it was done super indie looked like cell phones and then they kind of stepped up their game when uh when vice uh took them on i think a couple of years ago so it, ah. it 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 got some attention with uh, when they rehashed the series under vice but the filmmaker's matt johnson and i i would draw a lot of parallels there with what he's doing and so a, a canadian uh, a good canadian filmmaker to check out if you're into clerks would be uh would be matt johnson matt uh, johnson good knowledge yeah. good to know yeah, and uh, he did Operation Avalanche and that film, The Dirties. I don't know if you remember that from that's probably going back like eight, nine years ago now. But mm-hmm. Mark, what's your favorite? Has anything come out of Kingston Film Festival that you can kind of go, man, we had that film. Now look what it's doing. Like, anything that you personally curated that you brought into the mix and we're like, we went and found this. We went and found it. We got permission to show it. And then it, it someone grabbed it. And now it's. Oh, everywhere. actually, yes. So, um, and it still hasn't shown because it got canceled last year uh, because of, uh, because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, we had the premiere of um, uh, Paul Bellini, who was considered the fifth. Uh, kids the in fifth, the hall. Fifth kid, kid in the hall. Yeah. And, uh, and Scott Thompson, the two of them. Um, uh, have a documentary film called Mouth Congress, and it was going to premiere at KCFF. And the cool thing about it is it precedes uh, Scott's time with uh, Kids in the Hall when he was in a punk band called Mouth Congress. Oh, wow. Paul Bellini. So it's got all this f- footage of a young Scott Thompson. Oh, I'm a big fan um, of yeah, we've we've actually had him to the festival before, just doing comedy. But um, ah. so they they were both going to come to the festival and premiere it with us, uh, like a, a world premiere, and uh, like exclaim and like some national press, like we're we're really stoked on it. So hmm. uh, you know they've got a there. There's another huge cult following, Kids in the Hall. Yeah, I love. And, uh, yes, we can so, do a whole so, episode on that. We can do a huge whole episode. Sure, on yeah. So, sign me back up for that one. Um, oh, yeah. But uh, so it was canceled, unfortunately. But they still they still haven't shown it. Everything's mm-hmm. uh, there. There really have been very few in person festivals since mm-hmm. our uh, since KCFF was canceled. So I emailed Bellini the other day, and he said they still like they have it under wraps and haven't played it anywhere. So oh wow. Um, sneak peek on uh, kcff 21 we're gonna try to show that one again awesome so that's a good question how are you dealing with uh covid because your film festival before was obviously putting asses in the theater seats right and have people like i did uh uh, a drawing uh comic book uh seminar for a bunch of kids there there. workshop i just packed the kids in at nexus comics awesome comics a lot um so a lot of it is ass in the seat so how are you guys dealing with this whole thing well 
Festivals started going online, I, I would say, as early as May um, of mm-hmm. last year, the, uh, of, sorry, this year, um, the Hot Docs Festival in Toronto, they went online. And I was so not stoked on that at all. Like, I think right. I was getting a little bit of internet fatigue by May anyways. But <laughs> then when I found out one of my favorite festivals was going online, they didn't have a choice. They, they either had to cancel or do that. Right. Um, I was not stoked at all. I checked it out. It's actually pretty cool. Um, I obviously like going to a concert. It's not going to replace the in-person experience, Mm -hmm. but um, festivals have adapted. And this is what we're planning on doing as well. Um, We are going to go digital and you still get up. The one nice thing is you get more guests. Um, Obviously you're not five feet from them. They're on the screen, but you get more Q and A's. You get more people participating that way. And then cool. the other nice thing is, um, you know, people from Toronto can attend KCFF a lot easier. They don't have to drive down the 401 three hours or people, you know, living way up north or wherever. So it's, it mm-hmm. is actually a way easier point of entry for people that want to check you out. So well, that's good to hear. Yeah. yeah, the way we're looking at it as, you know, it's not as good as the in-person experience, but it is going to raise more awareness about who we are and what we do. And then when mm-hmm. we go back to the in-person festival, hopefully we've um more I people think, found I out think Mark us. you're gonna find that it's a I think you're gonna find that it's a very um a good thing and I yeah, know that I, and I'm a movie fan and I love sitting in the theater and all the rest of it but Indie Week just went online they had a really great couple a really great weekend for mm-hmm. of music where people are like you know at least on the panel side of it where people could to, to learn things and to your point about putting it on the map what's mm-hmm. everyone doing right now some of them are making shit, but they're not leaving their house and they're not really going anywhere. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, what do you want me to do? Well, you want me to all appear at that festival? Sure, because I just have to turn on my computer. And mm-hmm. all that means is a tweet. And then it's and then it's like, well, what is where, what is Joey Lauren Adams on? What is right, this person? Yeah. Why, why is Kevin Smith going to the Kingston Film Festival? What is that? Yeah, I, I mm-hmm. think that you guys are going to benefit huge from it, actually. Well, just what I was saying at the start is we have all these Canadian films <clears throat> that are really good that people don't get an opportunity to see. And I think so that that's, you know, precisely what we want to do is get as many people looking at these films as possible and even just changing their opinion on Canadian film. Be like, wow, you know, I thought this was substandard film, but it's not. It's amazing. So, um, you know, 2022 or 23 down the road when uh, things have hopefully returned back to the way they were. Um, I think a lot of festivals are going to keep the digital component and that's the way we're looking at it. We don't want it just to be a one-off. We're hoping that it's, that it's good enough so that we can continue that on with the in-person festival when things get back to normal. So it's uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely like relearning, you know, we thought we'd perfected the art of KCFF. So we're kind of relearning everything from scratch. So it's, it's definitely challenging and different and. Um, but it's doable, I, right? For sure. Yeah. yeah. No, well, that's think, good. That's good. That's a good positive. I, I like, a lot of people are like, oh, everything's got to shut down. We can't do anything. That's a good positive message, man. You yeah. Yeah. So I think it's, um, yeah, we'll have mouth Congress anyways, looping back to the, some, some of what we're going to show. And um, yeah, I would say that that's one imminent film that I would be really stoked to, uh, to share with everybody, but we've had, I was just mentioning Matt Johnson. We've had a lot of his films at the festival too. I think we've had the dirties. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he did a Nirvana, the band, the show um, uh, series with vice. And we, we showed a bunch of those at the festival. So yeah, lots, yeah. lots to talk about. Amazing. Well, we uh, happy to have you here, man. It's been a while since uh, I've seen you personally, but uh, we're uh, uh, 
continuing this podcast like crazy here, uh, currently in Mandalorian mode and then news of the well, week and all these other when things. Hockey, so. When hockey starts yeah. again, oh, hopefully soon. I don't know, man. But I we'll haven't have heard anything about it. that. Yeah, do you have any intel <laughs> on that one? I have no information. I just keep hearing like, maybe we should just have Canadian teams play like all these other options. I'm not hearing about, I don't know. You're naming, Graham? One of the things I'm involved in right now is testing. So um, it's going to be a while. Um, I mean, they got the testing right as far as the the athletes and some of these, you know, the the players and things like that. Um, The sustainability from the TV deal and being able to go. um, Yeah. I I don't think they're going to be able to do it too much longer without people. So in the stands, so whether that means small, I mean, the NFL is doing 25,000 a game, but that's America not caring about anything and they're just kind of yeah. going through with it. So I think, I think the bigger picture, like the NBA is just going to go ahead and do it uh, as they did because their TV deal is so good. The NHL is going to need fans. So um, I am hearing Chris, to your point, like I am hearing multiple bubbles and I'm also hearing that um, the Canadian teams are going to probably have to play in America uh, right. if they're going to play, uh, cause they're not going to do this crossover thing. So, uh, they bring, it's a, it's pretty complicated. So yeah. I, they're talking Too January, bad. they're talking January. I, I, uh, I can see what they just did starting in January, but the bigger yeah. picture, I don't know. The the bigger picture might just be, uh, like, I wonder if they would just do a direct, direct route to the playoffs, which would be sort of, I feel like what they did this past year, like the Montreal Canadians should not have made the playoffs. Right. Um, but you know, they, they might have all the teams just doing around Robin and I have always thought the season is way too long. So I'll, I'll put that, that out there. Pretty, I don't yeah. think the season needs to be 82 games. I think like, good I luck think, getting an owner to, to, to right, believe it's that. not, it's not going to happen. I'm just, uh, and, and, you know, <laughs> I agree with you though. Yeah. And then baseball, um, there's a reason I don't watch baseball is because there's half your year. Um, there's a lot of teams that haven't, I mean, the ones that played in the bubble, that's one thing, but there's all these other teams that didn't play. So they got to get it back. So you'll see some version of it. I, I'm, I'm hopeful for maybe January. No, I'm still playing my NHL. Yeah. 20, yeah. My video games. Yes. Awesome. Am I still on your team? You are Mark. Yep. You're kicking it, man. I'm almost at the playoffs yeah. right now. Cool. I'll I'll sign for cheap. Yeah. Nice. I'll I'll sign for cheap. Well, I got you in there for 500 grand. So (laughs) league minimum, (laughs) but that's, I can sneak. I, my, my player myself is the same thing as we sneak us under the cap and they don't realize how good we're we're still on entry level uh, deals, I guess. eh? You're actually getting like, you're your players getting like 15 hits a game. You're like just a nine. My whole team's getting like 40 to 60 hits a game, but you're getting like 10, 10 to 10 to uh, 15 hits a game. Man. Cool. Just killing them. Yeah. There's no like in-person hockey either. Chris and I were going to, uh, we're going to do uh, Thursday nights this year, but uh, there's no in-person hockey in Kingston. I was supposed so. to start on Friday, man. Oh, yeah. Right on. Shut BC down again. So us Canadian kids in our hockey. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Indy, 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 Kevin Smith, Indy films and hockey. <laughs> that's a Mark, good segment where can everybody find you online sir with all this stuff kpp the- yeah so you can go to kppconcerts.com for our music and we're uh king can film fest for the film festival and uh yeah you can reach me at either one of those um and you got a uh, wicked film you want them to see yeah i don't know we're just going through everything right now one that i just looked at was by so if you see anything by a quebec filmmaker it's probably good um oh, but cool. uh a filmmaker named C- simon lavois looks like mm-hmm. simon simon lavois um he's got a new film out this year if you see anything by him check it out a, a lot of black and white um uh filmmaking and uh 
you know, tying in with what we're talking about, Clerks also looking looks like it was shot on a pretty reasonable budget, but really well done. He's got a really nice. interesting black and white style. So uh, I think we're going to show one of his films at the festival this year. So keep an eye out for that one. Very cool. Very cool indeed. Very cool. This has been the Kids on the Escalator podcast. That's Chris Bichetti. That's uh, Mean Mark Garnis. Yeah, and, uh, Undertaker. And, uh, and we'll be back next week with a brand new one. Thanks for tuning in, folks. See you. Good times, rad dudes. Slayer. See you guys. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundal from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. I'm Matt Kundal, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.